I know you say harvestoon, but I'm, harvestoon. I will feel like I will feel like an asshole if I say it that way. So I'm not gonna um, harvestoon. Harvestoon. Um, harvestoon. So being a brewer at harvestoon has been a hey. great way to kickstart my career. Harvestoon. Harvestoon. Um, <laughs> Get your harvestoon on, on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not that Scottish, okay? Scottish. Yeah, sorry. Welcome to Homebrewed Feminism. I'm Amanda. And I'm Becky. We're two friends discussing all the ways that society, culture, and gender collide. So join us as we amplify the many voices that surround us. Hello. Welcome to Homebrewed Feminism. Thanks for coming back. I know, it is the penultimate episode of the second season. <laughs> and it's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? A doozy? Like, yeah. um, it's like, uh, it's gonna be a toughie. Like, it's oh, not a, okay. oh, like, oh, that, like, if you get, if you got hit hard or something, you'd be like, ooh, that was a doozy. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Most of our audience are Americans, so I'm just sitting here as the minority, like, okay, representing our Scottish listeners. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, ask the questions, because then I wouldn't want anyone to be like, what the hell's a doozy? Anywho, that was a long way to say. Welcome and hi. Welcome. <laughs> um, would you like to do any um, updates on the move, or has nothing much changed? Well... We got our official moving date of the that's 10th good. of September, so that's probably the biggest um, progress thing yeah. that's happened, really. So we actually have an official date, which is good. It's the day after my birthday, so that's worked out really well for annual leave because I already had a day in for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Part of the company benefits is that you get a birthday day on top of your annual leave if it's midweek, so I've been able to just carry on from from there and take the following next week off so besides that yeah not much else it's you know the work's moving on it's you know the fence is past the house which means that I can now actually touch my house if I wanted to um and instead of just peering through a fence you know to see how Mm. the progress is so um yeah you can actually touch your house I can actually touch my house yeah so it's Mm. like everything that this has been for it's like oh so it's it's uh, yeah it's quite exciting so not long three weeks. now yeah. three, weeks. three weeks it's exciting yes well, well you'll get to hear about that update the final move-in update on our social media so you better start following us yes <laughs> <laughs> uh my colostasis update um <laughs> I feel is like we that, change this section like every week. I know, I know. So yes, I was diagnosed with obstetric cholestasis last week at the end of last week. Both my liver function and my bile acids were elevated. But I am just over the threshold. So um, my bile levels were at 11 and the uh, and they literally, like the cutoff is 10. Right, okay. Um, but they, uh, so on the 19th, I'm going to have a growth scan uh, which is just like an ultrasound of the baby, just to make sure the baby is okay um, and that they're growing all right. Um, <laughs> I thought you meant if your liver had grown. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know why they call them so obscure things like liver scan. Like it's they're ultrasounds. I don't know. Um, the so, this, scan. so yeah, just to make sure the fetus is doing okay, and then um, 
they're going to take more bloods just to see if my levels are still rising and then monitoring, which is like they just like hook you up to a a heart monitor for the for the baby. Um, but according to the midwife, they don't usually prescribe the medicine I got last time until you hit um, a 30. And I was like, um, that's not going to work for me. Like, I'm already itching crazy. So I don't know how you expect me to survive without meds. I was like, I need you to give me the meds so that my levels can start like going down into yeah, a healthy yeah. level so that I stop itching so much. Um, mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, I'll speak to the doctor. So then I got the meds on Friday um, and I've been taking them since Saturday. So like five days-ish, Wait, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days. So next week, I'll let you guys know how my blood's changed after being on these meds for a week. And other news, in my ultrasound of my liver, uh, found out that I have gallstones. So, like, when uh, the hits just keep coming. I'm you know? just going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's something I'll have to deal with at some point in the future, but they can't do anything about it now while you're pregnant, so... I've got some other little babies inside of me, little gallstones, just chilling in, in my gallbladder. Um, well, like I say to you, that's why I refuse to believe that um, pregnancy, childbirth, labor, the whole thing. I refuse to believe that it's natural and we're meant to do it because if the world genuinely wanted women to do this, why would it be this difficult? I just can't, like, as if it's not difficult enough with all the side effects and... You know, uh, symptoms. I just, I refuse. I just refuse to believe it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just my excuse, but I just refuse to believe this meant to be natural. It should just not come with this many, like, <laughs> fucking hits. I just shouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, childbirth is still, like, one of the leading causes of women's deaths in exactly like, the entire like, world. the I, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I know for a fact in the U.S., but I don't know about, I don't think it's the same in the U.K., but I do know for a fact in the U.S. It's, like, one of the top, like, Five, at least I think. Um, it's just, yeah, it, nobody really talks about that. They no, just they go, don't. Oh, when are you starting a family? Yeah, it's like, like I said. I can't remember if it was last week, <laughs> but it's like they just want to, you know, blindside women into more children. Like they I don't want that, to. Yeah. Like that's what, exactly what it was about. It was when mm. you were saying that you found out via Google about <laughs> your condition, and I said, well, basically, they just want to blindside women into pregnancy and, and babies. Yeah. Without actually giving them, it's almost like informed consent, you know, like in, you know, like in experiments. Like one of the main principles of like the, when I do research at university is informed consent. Tell people what they are in for and let them make a decision. But yep. we don't seem to do that when it comes to people's bodies. But anyway, mm. okay. <laughs> like why bother, huh? Like, what? Um, but yeah. So that that's about the update this week. This next week will be a more interesting update in regards to science that i think you'll get really into awesome um but yeah so unless you have anything you would like to add we can move on to beer yeah i'll do beer so i chose a brewery called brew york brewing now for me that is quite a thing to say back to back yeah brew york brewing it's very 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 They're, on they're the, out of York, right? Rolling my R's. Yeah, they're out of York. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's obviously the namesake. But basically, this brewery was made by two friends who had a passion, or like they call it, an obsession, for <laughs> beer and the brewing process in general. Cool. So they created Brew York as they had realised that they had a lifelong dream to build a brewery 
in York, like we said, and this was, and this was somewhere that was enjoyable as Ooh. the beer itself. Okay. So I will admit that for a beer podcast, I did not choose this beer based on my professionalism as a beer <laughs> drinker. I chose my beer because of the can. <laughs> so like cool. the, the nature lover in me went, this is the one for me. <laughs> so it's called Lupu Lion and it's just beautiful. I can't wait to share this can on the socials, honestly. And this is an American pale ale. Yum. Proper summer beer, really juicy, fruity. Um, it's not bitter at all. It's quite hoppy. Um, it doesn't hang around for much. It feels really nice when you're drinking it. Just a really, mm. really nice pale ale. So nice. whoever they have on their design team, what a great job because they have like, for our proper beer heads, they go into the specific hops, like nice. T90. I don't know what that means, but apparently <laughs> it's some sort of like cascade hop. But they go into the, the different hops and they go into that it's a cloudy, cloudy beer. Mm. And then they have this really cool infographic on the on the back oh. and it kind of dictates whether it's hoppy or malty. It's not malty at all. You're going to have to put um, up like a 360 a 360, photo of this. Yeah. yeah, I totally will have to do that. But um, it's really, really nice. I uh, mm. would definitely drink it again. Nice to drink it in the summer. So... As always, I chose this brewery because there are women on staff. And let me tell you, there are many, many women on staff here. Nice. So we have Alison Cole, who has been a fan of Brew York since the brewery started, but she now actually works there. She mm. had never been a big beer fan generally, but because she has worked in a brewery, she started to learn about the process and she's kind of sold, I guess. Lots oh. of variety and challenges in her job. Then we go on to Nadia Jackson, and basically, she works, from what I can understand, she does stuff to do with like their socials. So okay. I think she might be involved in the social media side of things. Cool. We have Lauren, who is a bar supervisor. So she studies at university, just like me, but she has a part-time job behind the bar. There is Sal, who is an upkeep engineer. I think that might be to do with like the actual brewing process, whether it's yeah. on like the, like in the actual machinery. That sounds right. Then there is Sam, who is the office manager, and they say that they quote the office far too much, which... I'm into that. Yeah, I'm into that too. There is Lilith, which is a name I've never heard before. Lilith. Lilith. Yeah. Oh. There's a, a lesbian... Um, I say lesbian, but like queer uh, music festival in California called Lilith Fair. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been to it. What's oh. that? <laughs> so there's Lilith and they are a brewery assistant and that's really cool to see uh, women actually doing the brewing which is fun so they admit that they drink quite a lot and they bring a not so feminine touch to the brewery and Good. there is Abby who works in the accounts department as an accounts assistant and Joe, who is a market tap manager nice. so there are many women at this brewery I've been to this bar have you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, Chris went to York a few years ago before um, we became parents, and we've been here. It's really cool. It's a really awesome. nice vibe. Well, it actually says that on, on, the, uh, on the can. It says to join us for a drink at our original brewery, taproom, and beer hall with 60-plus beers available. Yeah, it was a really cool place. I would totally recommend it. People should go there. Great choice. Thank you. And that can is pretty cool. Yeah, their branding is really smart. I love, that's one thing I love about craft beer. All right, over to you. Well, I mean, 
not to put harvest in down, but their their labels are pretty basic. <laughs> so I can't, I can't even pretend. I'm not even going to pretend like we're going to segue into this off labels. <laughs> their mouse is, that's it. <laughs> I like keep it. it simple. No, I like it, but they, uh, and it's really cute. You can, you know what we came to talk about this one? And the mouse is going, because it's called, wished. <laughs> so the mouse is going, shh. Um, so I am drinking Wiest. Uh, it's a dark ale. Um, it's a dark ruby ale with aromas of roasted chocolate, sweet biscuit, and dried fruit. And it's completely alcohol free. So I feel very okay with drinking this one. We're a 0.0% awesome. today. Um, and that's why they called it Wiest because, uh, it's the Scottish way of saying quiet. <laughs> um, Wiest. I would love to give the audience a detailed opinion on this. But if I'm going to be honest with you, if you have not already heard the head cold that I have today, I cannot smell this beer. So apparently, according, it says uh, it has coffee, coffee, velvet, roasted. Great. You're not getting it. I'm not getting anything. I'm literally, I cannot taste I cannot taste it. I can't. I can't taste it. But you know what? It looks great. It looks really cool. Great. It. It's dark. It is dark. Yeah, I can see it. Um, so I thought I would go a little bit extra hard on the descriptions. So um, the brewers' notes on their website for this one is: uh, this beer was a real challenge for the brew team, as it is like nothing they have brewed before. They wanted to create a non-alcohol beer that was full of flavor and aroma. It has taken them a while to perfect. And it is worth the wait. It has roasted malt and oats create a real nice background that gives body and hints of sweet dried fruit. This is a co- this is complemented by the fruity, spicy aromas from the hops. Lovely. So I apologize to Harveston for bad timing with my head cold. Um, but we did do Harveston in season one, episode yep. four. Becky yep. goes into a lot of detail about this brewery, and she has a love for a love for this one. So, um, if you want to hear more details on this specifics of the brewery, I highly recommend you go back. So, what I'm going to do right now is just give you some updates about the brewers that we highlighted in that episode. Amy Cockburn, who's the head brewer, and then Lisa Matthews, who's um, a brewer. So, this is. Um, I'm going to be a bit cheeky here and say maybe by us highlighting these women in our season, it gave their marketing team an idea because literally this year they decided to put a blog up about Lisa and um, Amy uh, for their International Women's Day. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Is it suspect that it was after we pointed out how cool it was that they had two women brewers? Maybe. Maybe not. Totally coincidental, but I'm going to take it as a win. Yeah, let's take it. (laughs) Uh, So in this blog, they were both asked, what are you most proud of in your career to date? And Amy said, I have been 12 years at Harvest and Brewing, and I have so much pride every time one of our beers wins an award. That is something I'm really proud of, that we consistently create award-winning, shout-about-it beers. And Lisa said... Being a brewer at Harveston has been a great way to start kickstart my career in the industry. I've been lucky enough to travel and share my passion for craft beer in other countries and also successfully launched a beer last year called Heaven Scent. Mm. The positive feedback so far has definitely been a highlight. Uh, so, yeah, that's me. That's my updates on um, Harveston's lady, uh, wonderful women brewers that they've got over there. So cheers to Amy and Lisa. 
And the longest list ever of I know. women at Brew York. Oh, my God. I know. Cheers to everyone at Brew York. I guess we could uh, move on to the topic this week. Yeah, let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, welcome back. Today's topic is very important, and we've not yet done an anti-racism episode. No. And I think it's because we both agreed that it's really an ex- it's an extremely important topic for us. And we didn't want to bring a clip whole, like without truly believing in the podcast that we were going to highlight. We didn't want to just bring up an, any schmuck. You know, we wanted yeah. to have like yeah, yeah, yeah. legitimate people that we pushed you guys towards because this is such a hot topic. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but in season one, like, we're obviously only in season two. We're a baby podcast. So um, in season one, I still felt quite new to the topics we were discussing. Yeah. Um, Was openly feminist, but was quite new to some of the stuff that we were really going into. And I didn't feel quite up to scratch enough on anti-racism work to be someone sitting talking about black people or brown people. I didn't feel like I could authentically past that do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so kind of felt a little bit like who do I think I am whereas now I think over the especially over the past 18 months we've kind of we've kind of been we've had to do the work Mm -hmm. because of what's happened yeah exactly it's kind of we've been shook into you need to fucking sort your shit out so even Mm -hmm. if you're not a racist there's still anti-racist things to be done Mm, oh absolutely and that's kind of what this um episode's about is introducing that even if you do feel that you are the most anti-racist of the anti-racists um Mm -hmm. you probably have some blind spots (laughs) so yeah we'll get into it you'll get into it um Mm -hmm. but i have to give you credit becky it was it was you we were speaking on the phone i think before we started the podcast um and you kind of inspired me about this topic because um you said something that like I think a lot of white people think um, maybe and especially white people from less diverse communities. Um, you can see is, Scotland. Well, I, I mean, Scotland. <laughs> Scotland's pretty is pretty, pretty white. Pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I could see when you're grow when you when you grow up and you you don't really ever see another ethnicity mm-hmm. um, besides on the television. You, it, I could see it being really hard to understand how anyone could be racist. Like, how could you yes. be racist? Like, I don't get it. Just it's wrong and you're not racist because Scotland's 96% white. Okay? I was about to say it has to be in the 90s, but I did not think 96%. I Googled and something I want to say about that, just because you um, <laughs> mentioned about seeing maybe only people of colour on the TV. Yeah. And then white people say, I'm not racist. Mm. Remember that... Okay, you might think you're not racist, but you're never in the um, you're never in a person of color's environment. Right. So you maybe think you're not racist because you're not actually saying horrible things to them. Yeah. Or talking about them. Yeah. But if you're seeing it on the TV and you're having, you know, they're always portrayed as the enemy. Then. Yeah. So like personally, as an American who grew up in Chicago, so I was surrounded by diversity, but still mainly on the northwest side, it's pretty white. Right. Okay. Um, I think the next biggest community is was like Latinx. Okay. And then like random like sprinkles of black uh like black families. And I mean literally just like one. Like I could think of one 
in my neighborhood that we like spoke to. And then uh, like there were Muslim families, but I didn't speak to any of them. like so there were the diversity of the community, but did we actually personally talk to them? Like bear like never. No. Mm-hmm. Um and I, if I'm being honest, the Muslim one was like recent. Like as an adult, I've noticed. Oh, I was like, oh god, look, there's a Muslim family in our neighborhood now. Right. So not like it's in like, the 90s when you were growing up. No, not the black, yes, but I didn't notice the Muslim when I was growing up. I, I have no problem seeing the difference like i could see the diversity i i see it it's like uh it's like a filter in my brain now and i think it is a mixture between because i actually did grow up in a diverse area and also like coupled with growing up with actively racist messaging so like i see prejudice discrimination or racism like all the time but that's because of my upbringing so i don't want anyone to think because if they are from like a background like yourself and they don't see it, that that doesn't mean like you've done anything wrong. <laughs> like you haven't. It's 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 just what what you grew up with, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you are white and you truly think or truly believe that you're not racist, I'm just going to introduce some concepts, um, which might help you understand that actually all white people are. We all have a little bit in us. Yeah, I think that like racist or racism, because it's so um, linked to like negativity. Mm-hmm. Of course, it is linked to negativity. It, but then it brings out more negativity in people because it seems like white people take it as like a personal attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope in this episode we can introduce the idea that like so like cut yourself a break because um, it's really like more than you. Like, this isn't some, like, moral thing that you're just, like, a bad person if your brain, like, does these things, like, links prejudiced thoughts and stereotypes because it is systemic. So, like, like take a deep breath. Um, just remember that this isn't a sprint to become not racist. It's a marathon to become anti-racist. Of and it's, So just cut yourself some slack. And, like, just take some deep breaths and we'll get through it together. So it's a lot... This topic's a lot more complicated than, like, it's wrong. Well, obviously it's fucking wrong. Obviously it's wrong. Um, But you are involved with racism on a daily basis because it is systemic. And it is woven into our society in such a way that you don't really notice it as a white person. You just don't notice it. Um... It is exactly what props up white privilege. So it's that, like, you you don't even notice that you have white privilege. It's just a part of life. So we're just going to get right into our clip. Because um, these women that we're highlighting are far more educated than myself. And they have actual credentials to be speaking about this topic. Um, uh, So we're featuring the Facing Ourselves podcast with Dr. Brandy Leipscher. And Dr. Danielle Beck. Dr. Beck is a developmental psychologist, researcher, and educator. Dr. Leapshire has a doctorate of psychology and is a licensed as a psychologist in California, where she has a private practice. She is the driving force behind Facing Ourselves, which is a platform to mainly teach anti-racism. The mission on their website is Facing Ourselves is to help white people gain a deeper understanding of themselves in relation to systematic racism and be willing to do something about it. Uh, Their website also states that the burden of responsibility to support 
teach, and challenge white people should not rest exclusively with people of color. Neither can it be done in isolation from communities of color. Rather, the work of facing ourselves is done with the guidance, particularly that of women of color and in support of their leadership. And I really awesome. wanted to highlight that because I I know, especially when the Black Lives Matter movement kicked off and the George Floyd um, murder unfortunately happened, um, a lot of people of color were wondering why white anti-racism educators were kind of having an opinion. Like, why aren't you just going to a person of color to learn this stuff? That kind of the, the burden of responsibility is very important because it really we shouldn't be expecting people of color to teach us. No, we, no. we really shouldn't. Like we should be going out there to learn on our own and asking questions, especially if you're going to people that are like your friends. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, like this is time. There, there are plenty of people of color creators if you want to go. But I've specifically chosen these two white women um us us two white women highlighting other two white women <laughs> i i kind of did i wanted to do this because due to implicit bias sometimes hearing something hard from another white person is a bit easier to digest you kind of unknowingly take it more seriously or at least not maybe not more seriously but just kind of like well they're they they get me, you know, like we are the same. So I, I don't give them something to relate to. Yeah. Like if I heard. So, OK, let me just give you the full story. So when I first heard like the historical explanation why white people from the South are so racist, this was like 10 years ago. I was at university. I was from this guy named Tim Wise, um, and he's another white and anti-racism educator. And it blew my mind because it resonated with me and my upbringing so much. He's like literally using examples of his own own experience. And I'm able to connect because of our, we have similar backgrounds. Um, and if I'm being honest, I don't know if I could entirely relate to a black anti-racist educator, maybe even saying the same story because... In the end, I would be thinking, well, that is the black perspective and I am mm -hmm. white. So I just need to take their word for it and go, absolutely. So hearing these kind of hard topics from a white person, hearing a white person say this really hard stuff about his experience, which I co totally related to, made it like my gateway drug to anti-racism work, which now okay. has led me to the doors of people of color. And now I follow people of color anti-racism educators and I'm more able to take their messaging in knowing that... It's almost like, so it's almost like when you go and do a new course mm -hmm. and you get different difficulties. So it's like, okay, we're going to start with the beginner modules, mm -hmm. then we're going to go into intermediate modules mm -hmm. and then we're going to go into advanced modules. Yes. So it's almost like by starting with... Um, people that we can relate to mm -hmm. we're, we're doing kind of just dipping our foot in like we say when you're learning something new you're maybe not able to comprehend everything but you're yeah. acknowledging okay I need to do the work on this um, but I don't know any people of colour like mm -hmm. I couldn't reach out to anyone so I 
reach out to white people who you yeah. see are doing the anti-racism work, especially if they are certified educators mm. and they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing your beginner modules, okay, moving on. And then you can eventually then understand, I think you can embrace and understand people's experience more when you can actually get on their level. It's like you need the foundation. So when you hear the really hard things from the people of colour, you're not like immediately like your back doesn't go up. Like you you don't immediately get offended because you've already done the foundation. So you know that the experiences that they are bringing and you're hearing... You can go, ah, okay. And you don't need to go like, well, why? It's kind of like... It's developing genuine empathy. Yeah, it's like trying to educate yourself so that you can feel like you can take on the more maybe direct hits. Because, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's hard to hear that people struggle just on the basis of their skin. When you grew up thinking, like, everyone's equal, what are you talking about? Like, so it's hard to hear that from someone. So it's e- so it's kind of nice to hear it straight from another person of our community. And I put that in quotes because what the fuck is a white person community? But, like, it's nice to hear from other white people. Like, this is legit. Let's discuss it. Let's get the awkwardness out of the way. Let's not involve... Let's get the awkwardness be- amongst ourselves and then we can go out and become better anti-racist learners with more teachers instead of putting all of our, like, really ignorant, dumb stuff on the people of color. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, exactly. In my opinion, yeah, I believe it's in the same way as when we are asking men to uh, reveal their misogyny. Right. Like, if we're asking men to do stuff for feminism or we're asking men and women to do stuff for, like, LGBTQ plus rights, if we're trying to get people to be on board with mm-hmm. different experiences and perspectives, it's the exact same thing. It we is. need to expect white people to do anti-racist work because... Why not? Like I, I'm of I'm of that generation where I know that there's people that have been racist, but I've never quite understood. Like in Scotland, I've never right. quite understood. Like so, this is just because of their skin color. Like I don't like I'm talking about like the more active racism, like yeah. the horrible, cruel. And we're gonna get into that active racism, yeah, passive racism. And I will say that just hang on to the recommendation, like hang out for the recommendations, everybody. I'm going to recommend some people of color, anti-racism educators who I follow and I really enjoy. So don't worry, we're going to plug. We're going to plug them. Uh, So the episode we're going to focus on is episode seven. Are all white people racist? No. Well, kind of. Uh, Let us explain. This episode is fantastic. Uh, They go into... The difference between prejudice and racism, white privilege, systemic racism, and then help your awareness of implicit racial bias. This is purely educational. These are two psychologists telling you the facts. Um, All right. So let's uh, just jump straight into the the clip right now. And then we'll discuss. Are all white people racist? So are you saying all white people are racist? Um, And I think Tatum talks about this and she says, I think what people are really asking is, are, are all white people bad? And so here she does, I think, a really helpful distinction between, and in kind, again, care talking individually, um, on an individual level, we can think about racism in terms of being actively racist or being passively racist. So active racism, like that's blatant, intentional acts of bigotry and discrimination, um, overt hate crimes. Mm -hmm. There's also passive racism. Here she talks about, like, laughing at racist jokes, um, not challenging discriminatory practices, 
um, avoiding difficult conversations with friends and family and coworkers, or not being aware of biases that you may have, but you're not aware of, but you're still perpetuating stereotypes or um, sort of um, racist stereotypes, but you didn't, you don't realize it. So that could be considered passive racism. So not all white people are actively racist as individuals, right? And we're assuming, we're hoping most of you listening um, would not fit into that category. But we do have to come to terms with a lot of us, most of us, are passively racist when we're thinking about this individually. Um, And so there's a couple of things to differentiate here in terms of coming to terms with that reality is that we're benefiting from systemic racism. So we don't have to be overtly racist to still benefit from systemic racism. I'm going to let you start us off. Do you have any thoughts before I go into my spiel? Yeah, I'd say my first thought is that the quality of this podcast is amazing. Mm. Like in terms of the content, in terms of the actual audio. Like when I was listening to it, I was like, damn, (laughs) they're good. I was like, they're fucking good. <laughs> like, what are they doing? And it just made me feel worse about my shitty audio last week, but we'll not get into yep. that, Becky. I can't handle it. So um, anyway, basically, I thought... I, I This is what I'm going to say. You chose a 90-second clip, roughly, oh, right? Yeah. So I started at that clip, and I the clip we've just played, and I forgot to press stop and continue to listen. Yeah. Because I was just, I was working and usually I have music on when I'm working and I just didn't press stop Mm. and I didn't even realise it just continued on and I was just like, personally, I feel like I have not been actively working on my anti-racist work because, you know, everyone can relate, life, life life fucking catches you up. Like you prioritise what's going on in your own life and when you have time, you come back to these things that can contribute to society, okay? So I was just stepping out of my own little like life bubble and I thought, fuck, like it made me realise this is actually really, really important. Like and not in like a sort of like patronising, condescending way, but in a genuine, oh God, I still need to, like I still need to do more, but I felt more open to it. And I don't know if that was like my sort of unconscious bias probably of two women, like they sound nice, like they're so they come across really well. You can tell that they're educators. Um, even if they use words like implicit bias that people may not understand <laughs> or if they're trying to explain something, you do understand mm-hmm. it. Like, it's really good. And obviously, they're psychologists, so I really, really enjoyed it because when they're talking about, like, our attention and what we can... It was just... I was like, oh, my God, I'm sold. Mm-hmm. So, overall, like, I thought it was great. But I also like how they went into... Um, I love how they started off with the question about are white people racist mm-hmm. or something similar like mm-hmm. that. And I thought, whoa, like that is going to totally... Some people are totally going to get their backs up about yeah. that. Whereas for me, like, I don't laugh at it, but I'm kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. like, this is such an important question. So, And, so, and somebody's saying it, you know? Yes, yeah, like someone actually mm-hmm. saying it. So I really liked that. Mm-hmm. I liked it the... Um, yeah, I liked the clip that you chose, obviously, for that. But then I liked how they went into what um, racism is and how it's not just uh, a one-sided coin. It's got the active and the passive. Mm-hmm. And, like... Um, I know this is your main points, mm-hmm. but I really like that because I think that when someone says that um, says something about racism or being a racist, like I said mm-hmm. uh, before the clip, 
uh, white people can take it as a personal attack yeah. and that's because I don't know we're little bitches or whatever and we just well, take we it just as... link it to our morality yeah you know? we're just like oh no like I'm a bad white person or whatever and that's not what it's no. about it's like it's just unfortunately we have a lot to unlearn yes. And I thought that's what was really, really good with this because I thought, okay, like, I am not a racist, mm-hmm. like, but I am definitely not an anti-racist mm-hmm. because I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm still I'm still firmly in the passive racism. Oh, passive. Oh, racism. yeah. Like, that's still, yeah. And that's why, that's and that's, and like you said, like, it, life... There's no shame there's in no it. There's no shame in it because we all do it. Like, it's, and I think that's how we can have, like, an open conversation amongst white people about that because we would feel so bad like we would never say it in the in in the community like in the presence of a person of color because we'd be so terrified like to say the wrong thing so amongst ourselves we can go like or let's get to work like let's get this done because this is the world the world needs to get to be a better place and this is how we get started um but like we said the active and and passive racism is is the key to this clip. And I really wanted to focus on that so people could just, like, kind of get over that. Yeah, and just chill. Like, you're not horrible people. Mm -hmm. We were just prioritized in society. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like when... It's privilege. It's just privilege. Yes, you were prioritized. And people seem to be... I'm noticing that now, like, especially because what's been going on with Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. has been, I would say, mainly... um, in the USA mm. with what happened last mm. year and it has infiltrated over here and then obviously it's a big deal in the UK. Oh, yeah. But I would say that, you know, I'm hearing a lot of comments from family and um, people that I've been around, especially because they watch football mm. and it's a big, big deal in football over here and I'm hearing comments like... Um, oh, but like, we're sick of this already. Like, okay, we get it, we get it. And I'm just sitting like, oh my what God, you're not privilege. getting the fucking yeah. point. What a place of privilege. Like, your place of privilege, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, oh, you get it? You? you? get, you? like, watching them take the knee is really difficult for you? Is that really difficult? Okay. Well, why is it difficult? Exactly. And that's where... Fuck me. Right? So, okay. Um, <laughs> we could go on this. We could go to, like, a whole tangent on that one. Um, and that's a really good example of passive racism um because i feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people think if they're not wearing a kkk hood then they are not racist (laughs) and yet white people are conditioned to hear casual stereotypical comments like why do they have to take a knee um and then there'll be other people other white people around them and then they go in their head like that's wrong like their heads going, mm-hmm. ah, but yet they don't say anything, and we don't we don't challenge it. We just go, okay, like well that was that was a racist moment, but we're just gonna all smile and nod. Um, <laughs> so active racism, which is kind of the one where the the KKK hood comes into play. Um, I pulled a definition so that we could feel very intelligent. So. Active racism is actions which have as their stated or explicit goal the maintenance of the system of racism and the impression of those in targeted racial groups. People who participate in active racism advocate the continual subjugation of members of the targeted racial groups and protection of, quote, the rights of members of the agent group. These goals are often supported by a belief in the inferiority of people of color and the superiority of white people, culture, and values. 
So our clip says active racism is the blatant intentional acts of bigotry and discrimination. So some examples might be you're watching a sporting event and another viewer yells the N-word when a black person scores. If if you do that, like you're actively racist. You're actively an asshole. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So, or you take the moment to explain that the only reason a white woman would ever get with a black guy is because they have daddy issues. Um, Or upon seeing, like, a particular racial group and then commenting on the number of children and then saying they are going to outnumber us soon. Us being white people. Or while watching a children's television show and someone says the reason the white character is the comedic relief is because of reverse racism. Um, Then the clip also mentions overt hate crimes, which are like vandalism and like arson as acts of intimidation. So like actual like physical violence to scare someone. Um, Okay. Okay. I believe most of us don't relate to the examples I just gave. Um, And I'm really happy for you. (laughs) Like, I really am. (laughs) So happy for you. Um, I think it's the passive racism where we need to, like, take a moment. Because that's where I think we're all going to get caught. (laughs) Yeah, passive racism definitely covers the majority. And I don't, I'm not reading your examples. Mm -hmm. I've not read them. But I just know already that we, there will be people in the audience as well that can relate. Yeah, and you know what? And if you do relate, like if if I just send an example and you're like, oh my God, somebody I love have said something like this to me, like take a deep breath. Like it's not, I, I know that it's it's hard, <laughs> but just take a deep breath and like this is just day one, like step, baby steps. Don't, exactly, don't spiral. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a supportive environment. Yeah. Um, so the definition of passive racism is beliefs, attitudes, and actions that contribute to the maintenance of racism without openly advocating violence or oppression. The conscious and unconscious maintenance of attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors that support the system of racism, racial prejudice, and racial dominance. So that's where they get us, unconscious. Mm -hmm. That's where they get us. And the examples from the clip were laughing at racist jokes, not challenging discriminatory practices, Avoiding difficult conversations with friends, family, and coworkers, which, like, hand up. Mm, um, that's a tough, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tough. You might not be aware of your biases, so you unknowingly perpetuate, like, racist stereotypes. So, for instance, like, calling your local convenience store a packy shop. Like, oh, like, yeah, I grew up with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, no, like, I didn't mm-hmm. even heard that before until I moved to Scotland. <laughs> I was like, a pack, a what? And they're, oh, they're, oh, all right, because they're all, okay. It's the corner, the corner shop. shop. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd like to add one. They, did, they didn't say this in the clip, but I would like to add one to their list. Like, if you're listening to music and the artist uses the N-word, oh, yes. and then you sing and you say the N-word too, um... That doesn't mean you have a pass because the artist did. Like, you shouldn't sing it. And I only just learned that, like, in the last year. I was like, oh, my God. Because my favorite song of all times is N-Words in Paris from Kanye West and Jay-Z. Don't judge me, people. I just love it. But (laughs) I used to sing every word. Like, every word. At my wedding, every word. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I thought that that was appropriate. But it wasn't until the Black Lives Matter movement really started kicking off where that started to become like a thing where I was like, 
I am shocked. And of course, this is bad. Why the fuck did I think this was okay? Yeah, it's like people almost missed the missed the boat of um, just because like black people were putting their art out there. Mm. It's like they were they were giving that word to everyone, and it's like no, 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 that is their vocabulary. Yes. It's yeah, but it's like white people just went. Let's just claim another thing that's not exactly. ours. I like we're good at oh, that. <laughs> I just I took it and I ran with it. I just love that fucking song so much. So I put my hand up. Like I don't do that anymore you will not be alone oh i know it's so embarrassing though but i'm glad that i've learned it so now i'm stopped like and nobody in my family will ever do that like we are just we will now we are now educated but um (laughs) so like yeah not all white people are active racist but we are all of us are probably passively passively racist and i think we all have avoided difficult conversations as well with friends and family and coworkers. um i know i can hand i can raise my hand there yeah, it is difficult, especially if it's not... I would say that if it's not also your personality. Mm. Like, I think, it's, obviously, we're all so, so different. And if you're not outspoken in general, it can be difficult if there's something that you don't really have experience with. You're only just learning recently about through the media. You're only seeing people's experiences on media, mm. you're not actually seeing it with your own eyes, mm-hmm. or someone that you know mm-hmm. is ha- it's happening to them. So if you're only seeing it, it can feel so far away. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, being in Scotland, Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd murder yeah. in America felt so far mm-hmm. away. But it's like, if you're not, it is hard to put yourself in that position to speak up for black people when you maybe don't know any right and you don't know these people personally it is i i can totally relate because there's been many times where people in my family that are older than me Mm -hmm. so not people of my same age Mm -hmm. but the older Mm -hmm. elder people Mm -hmm. and um you know they say something and i i try you try and get back but it's kind of like you're not going to change these people and i almost give up on them so it's almost like i feel like my energy is better spent on myself you know what I'm going to tell you that you're doing it right because of my anti-racism work from people of color. Like they, I have learned from them that like you need to determine if the person you're confronting is worth it. Like if they are Mm -hmm. not going to change, there's no point in confronting them about it. Like you have to put your foot down at some point where you're like, okay, I'm not going to accept that kind of language in front of me, but I'm not going to tell you. Like, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm not going to change yeah. your life. I'm not going to try but and change you. But I will you, say but... you will not speak like that in front of me. Yeah, I think establishing that boundary of this is not okay mm-hmm. for me, but mm-hmm. good for you. Live your yeah. life. You are horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? So, like, bye-bye. Yeah. I will not be, yes. like, if I need to see you on birthdays, okay. But, you know. Yeah. And if you say something, I will walk away from you. Like, I will not entertain yeah, the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Just know, yeah, yeah this is not mm-hmm. on my radar. That's good to know, actually. But I only learned that because my white introduction to anti-racism work, I never heard that. No, it was correct everyone. And yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 And you see all these, like, family mm-hmm. arguments on social mm-hmm. media. And I thought, these fucking poor, like, Gen Z mm-hmm. or millennials, like, they're fucking fighting for mm-hmm. this. And there was no okay. point because the boomers and the late Gen Xers... Like, if they're, I hate to say it, but if they're 60 and they still think this way. So just wait for them to, you know, expire. I just want to be like, just, you need to work on you and anybody that you are 
influencing you know like yeah focus on yourself if you bring life into this world you're going to be in a great position and so on um in saying that uh all the examples that i gave from the active racism like all those horrible ones um Mm -hmm. they're all from my own experience um and the only one of them i challenged (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it was the one where the n-word was actually screamed um, oh no! It was because oh, it was just God. so blatant. I had a knee jerk reaction, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, and it was awkward. I couldn't even imagine being in that position. It was awkward. It was embarrassing, literally for everyone around us, not just me and the person that I was like, "Excuse me." Um, Did this happen in Scotland or America? America? Please, <laughs> right? Okay, I just wanted to check. I was like, "Where am I living?" <laughs> no, back home. It was super awkward, and but like. Something else I've kind of learned is that, like, that isn't really my problem that it was awkward. Like, no, that was no, it's that not. person's problem. Like, who verbalized yes. that, like, horrendous word? Like, that was, they put themselves in that position by thinking that they were surrounded by people who were on their level of racism. So their clip ends on a really important point. Dr. Leipscher says, we don't need to be overtly racist to benefit from systemic racism. So, like, just keep that in mind, too. You might feel that you're extremely anti-racist, but, like, in the end, no matter what you do, you, you can't beat systemic racism as a white person. No. You'll always benefit from it in our society because our society is designed by white people. Mm-hmm. Um, our bias is what supports systemic racism. Our biases are the sneaky ones because... They are so ingrained in us that we probably don't even realize we have them. Um, yeah. And we all do have biases. Like, we're humans. It's how our brains work. Um, it's not that we do or do not. It's more like, which ones do we have? Because we have them. Sure. So this is where I'm going to, like, stop and just, like, leave you to go and listen to the rest of this episode because they really start going into the systemic racism better. <laughs> Um, no, it's great. I can voice that. It's so good. I was instant subscribe. Mm-hmm. They're just so good. They're so in- you can tell that like they have teaching background. Mm-hmm. I was totally on board. I thought, I think I list- only listened to like half an hour, but I was just like, mm-hmm. like I will learn. It is a longer episode. It's an hour of like hearing yeah. some really like um, educational chat. So sure, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I'll just leave everybody with. Uh, Dr. Tatum says so Dr. Tatum is a like she wrote a book back in the 90s called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria and it was kind of like the first major anti-racism book that's been kind of used in education right okay so she says prejudice is an integral part of our socialization and it's not our fault and that's true like don't beat yourself up about it like it is actually not our fault that we have our biases. Like, we have been trained. Mm-hmm. Our brain has been trained to have these thoughts. Like, I mean, like you said it. When when you're watching TV and you don't know any person of color in your real life, but every single time you watch a bad, like, a TV show and the bad guy is a person of color, you just, you put those connections in your brain. You're not saying, like, oh, man, all black people are bad or all mm-hmm. Arabs are terrorists. Like, no, nobody's saying Yeah, just that. look at every war movie to come out of America ever. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but, yeah. like, they are never portrayed as, like, 
anything other than mm-hmm. rabid dogs. Yeah, and like, and that isn't like you sat down and was like, and I agree. It's just your brain saw it, and they put one and one together, and then now your brain has a bias, and that's it. So mm-hmm. I'm with Dr. Tatum when I say, like, it's not your fault. But what is our responsibility is educating ourselves. Like, start to notice the racist stereotypes and the biases that you're not aware of and start introducing anti-racism methods into your daily life. Like, I hope that us introducing this podcast to you is the start of that journey. So that go and listen to this podcast. They've got... I can't even remember how many episodes. It's not like... A decent amount. A decent amount, but it's not not like overwhelming. Um, And just... Really start combating the past of racism in your life because that is where the prejudice lives and breathes. Mm-hmm. And that that's me. That's my topic this week. And I hope everybody can stay open on this one. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, really good. It's a really, really good topic. And I just hope that it's getting, you know, the, the wheels going in our listeners' minds if they are not a person of colour, that there is always work to be always. done and there's no rush. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter when you get there. Like, the fact that you're putting your attention and time to it is enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I just have to say, like, the podcasts that are out there right now, you could just literally Google anti-racism podcasts in the world. Like, the, you don't have to read a book if you don't want to, if you're not a book person. You can just listen. There's so many resources. Oh, so you can watch a fi- You can watch a film. There's so many black filmmakers oh, or yeah. people of color that are filmmakers. Just yeah, yeah. I guess we could go on. Start and I guess end. we could go into our yeah. recommendations before we go into our recommendations. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's stop. Facing Ourselves podcast was recorded in 2016 to 2017 and features 12 episodes focusing on racial justice, anti-racism, and racial reconciliation. It provides opportunities for white people to develop greater understanding and responsibility regarding race and racism within the context of the United States. Dr. Brandy Leibscher and Dr. Daniel Beck provide support and guidance for white people who are interested in and committed to transformational conversations about race. Take a listen and be sure to check out all the resources included in the show notes for each episode. Thank you, Dr. Leipscher and Dr. Beck, for letting us play your clip. Your podcast is exactly the type of podcast we want to highlight as you have the credentials and the empathy to help people come to the table to learn. Thanks again. Okay, I'm just going to start the recommendations because mine literally just piggybacks off of the topic. Awesome. Uh, So go and follow anti-racism people of color on your favorite social media platform i feel like that's the easiest way to just get drip fed um their points and pretty passively like you don't have to do anything they just pop up on your feed and then you can just read their perspective on something and then if you're not really feeling it uh you're not in the right headspace for it that time you can just be like okay save it to a collection like Instagram or put it in your favorites like TikTok or I don't know what Facebook's equivalent is. No, I don't know. Boomer book. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, man. (laughs) Um, But this is the time to take an inventory of who you follow on your socials as well. And if you are leaning towards maybe a bit more heavily white, it's maybe time to rebalance a bit. Um, But seek out like actual anti-racism educators. So you can start learning more on the systemic 
racism that they point to all the time. Um, so on Instagram, some people I would recommend you going to follow is Patrice Colors Brignac. I could be saying her last name wrong. I'm putting all of these in our show notes as well. So like, don't worry about it, guys. Um, Ibram X. Kendi. Ugh, he's the best. I freaking love him. And Rachel Cargill. Now, Rachel's getting a special shout out from me. I know I just did it for Ibram, but like Rachel's going to get a really big one because she's literally takes comments that people post on her Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. posts and then she deconstructs them. Like literally we'll put like one, two, three, four and then puts in her like in like her caption of her post and explains like why this response from this person is problematic and what actually is being said to the person of color. I'll just I'll link to a specific one of those posts so you can see. Honestly, the first couple of times I saw her do this, like my back went up. I was like, oh, shit, like she's tearing this person apart and all this. And it's not like any of these comments are like overtly racist. These are just like people who are like, well, hmm, I don't know if I agree with this, blah, 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 blah. And like she just rips them apart and says, like, why you even saying this sentence, this sentence, this sentence, what you are actually saying to me as a person of color by using this phrase or this. It was, it's just so good. It's so good. It's a great way to start learning your blind spots. Um, so she's definitely if you're going to follow one of them, follow her because she's like she's she gets you right in the unconscious bias. She gets you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. She gets you right in it. Um uh, so yeah, that's my recommendations. Go and start kind of infiltrating your 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 brain in like the most passive way possible on social media. That's a good one. Very good one. Your turn. <laughs> so my recommendation is completely different, unrelated, nothing to do with with this. I would say this is for my fellow students. If any of our listeners out there are students, I feel you. We're starting to get the fear, like. <laughs> <laughs> Terms of way to start soon. I don't know what's going on yet, but like I just know that it's it's starting soon. So the you know the fear is here. There is a really good resource called Simple Student Guide, and from what I can see, it's been founded by one person who's doing their PhD. And I don't know if it's like actually a, f- a proper organization, but basically, I learned of this person on TikTok, and they have an Etsy store, and they just provide really really helpful tips, guides, resources for studying, for academic cool. writing in a really accessible way. Like in a oh, fun, yeah. like they use all the TikTok sounds and um answer mm. comments with why things are problematic and um just to kind of because they are like I think they're my age, but they're doing their PhD. So they obviously went to university really, really early from school. Yeah. And this person basically just she can still relate to like the undergrad student experience. So when undergrads are saying, well, why am I not getting good feedback? Why are people saying, why are our lecturers saying this to me? She can help you because she's very quickly went through being an undergrad to being a PhD uh, tutor slash marker. So it's really good. um, Specifically, a really, really good resource, which I bought at the start of the year planning for my dissertation is the dissertation planner. And she nice. sells out of them very quickly. Um, and I, I'm glad I bought it when she had them because it's come around very quickly that I'm going to need it. And nice. she includes lots of self-care and and just makes it... Like, academia can be really inaccessible. And she just makes mm-hmm. it nice and accessible and gives some great, like, YouTube resources and just to appeal to different types of um, people. So 
Yeah, awesome. definitely on TikTok or Instagram or just the Etsy. I'm going to link the, the store. It's Simple Student Guide, uh, specifically the Dissertation Planner. Great. That's a great tip for all the students out there. Yeah, because I I feel the fear. It's coming round. We're about to go into the mm-hmm. abyss for another like 10 months or something. So it's going to be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's all we say now. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I think you'll feel a lot better once you kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Like they're saying like we expect you on campus. Like if you're based in the UK, they expect us on campus. And I'm like, oh, we're still in a panorama. Like what's... Like, <laughs> like you're still seeing there's like 2,000 cases today in Scotland, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're not just all mm-hmm. seeing that. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I have a feeling that they're going to play it safe. Yeah. So, well, hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. Yeah. That you know what the heck's going on with your future. <sighs> so, I guess we are tying up this episode. Mm-hmm. We have one more episode planned next week, which will be the final episode, episode 10, the finale, mm-hmm. season finale. Really? So, we have a really fun one. We want to do something quite fun to end the season. Mm-hmm. something quite I think it's quite lighthearted, and um, yeah hopefully we can have a good laugh yeah that's the whole point of ending having the racism 1-9 <laughs> and having a fun 110 <laughs> we do do this sort of like bittersweet thing where we have like a really doozy like you say and then we have like something <laughs> nice and fun it's like we're softening the blow yeah and hopefully um, when we go into our little hiatus for a bit while we figure out what's happening mm-hmm. um you mean, well, you give birth. Can, like, come on. Like, you. What are you talking about? I have a head cold right now. I'm not, I don't want to think about labor yet. <laughs> I'm going to let the head cold pass. Um, if you could, if you're not subscribed, please do subscribe because you definitely don't want to miss our next episode because it's fun, fun, fun. Um, if you could rate us and review on Apple Pods, yeah. we really appreciate it. The rating is the most important bit, but we would love to hear you, like your thoughts. So please feel free. Yeah, so we know you're um, out there. And, also, before I move on to the Instagram and the, the Twitter, yeah. the non-existent Twitter, no, I will. I joke, like, we, I've actually been getting some more engagement on Twitter, like, the people that we're actually oh, tagging, like, Huzan Mahmood, to, to do with the feminists of Kurdistan's, a massive feminist, Kurdish feminist activist, she's followed us, like, her first nice. 100k from the other week fall, uh, liked one of our posts, and so there what? is, like, more people are, like, they see, our wow. profile it clearly does exist on Twitter, but... Before I get into the <laughs> socials, obviously, I just want to thank, you know, on behalf of us, the Feature Pod and the the, the breweries, because all those women at these oh, breweries. Right, yeah. mm. Sorry. Yes. Thank you so much to all of the fantastic women. Apologies for jumping ahead. Uh, head cold. Um, We're mixing it up. That's yeah. Fine. Mixing it up. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, thank you to all the women at the breweries. And thank you especially to Dr. Beck and Dr. Leipzer. We really, I really can't say enough how great your podcast is, and I'm glad that you're keeping it free and available just so people can dive in whenever they feel comfortable. So thank you so much. Yeah, so if you enjoy our content in your ears, uh, you may enjoy the content on your eyes because we have mm-hmm. Instagram and Twitter and we have Facebook. The handles are all the same, so it's at Homebrewed Feminism, and that's without any vowels in the homebrewed. So we'll be posting some awesome pictures of our cover art, which you can see, which we put some time 
into and we also have beer <laughs> pictures like I say my beer can this week is really cool and um, so I can't wait to share that so thank you very much for joining us at our episode 9 hope to see you at number 10 yeah join us for the season finale next week as always stay open and keep learning bye bye, bye.